lesson we were dealing with this great great wonderful question of justification a man standing in the presence of God in all the righteousness and beauty of Christ now sir you're going to ask me a question how do you know these things of which you've been saying are true how do you know you have a divine forgiveness how do you know that he has put away every one of your sins how do you know he's forgiven every sin how do you know you've been redeemed How do you know Christ paid enough for your redemption? How do you know you stand before God in all the righteousness of Christ? I want some guarantee of that. But my friend, may I suggest to you three guarantees that God has given to us? Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our study in What Did Jesus Do on the Cross continues with the biblical doctrine of justification and its guarantee. Well, what is the guarantee? Well, is there any guarantee? Well, as we hear, questions are asked. How do I know that I have been redeemed? How do I know that I stand in the presence of a holy, righteous God? Well, Dr. Mitchell will give us three biblical facts to answer these questions. Now, you too may have these questions. Many people do. And it is good to know that God has provided his answer to these questions in his own word. And we can confidently proclaim the truth of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's listen as Dr. Mitchell gives to us what the Word of God declares to us as the guarantee of standing in the presence of God just as righteous as His Son, Jesus Christ. Here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. It is our joy and delight to come to you again to discuss with you some of the most wonderful things that God has given to us in Jesus Christ, our Savior. We are dealing these days with what Christ accomplished for his people at the cross. And I'm sorry to say this, but I do want to repeat it. So few know the real wonderful gospel of the grace of God. And I'm dealing with foundational things these days. We've been dealing with the question of divine forgiveness on the ground of the shed blood of Christ. We've been dealing with the question of redemption. 
And in our last lesson, we were dealing with this great, great, wonderful question of justification. Or a man standing in the presence of God in all the righteousness and beauty of Christ. And we raised some questions in our last lesson. And the question was, even if my sins were put away, could I stand before God acceptably? And I find that I must have something else. The putting away of sin is wonderful. And Christ did that, thank God. But he also made the provision whereby God can take those who put their trust in Jesus Christ and pronounce them righteous. So much so that when you and I who trust the Savior come into the presence of a holy, righteous, eternal God, we stand before God in all the beauty, in all the merit, in all the righteousness of Christ himself. And remember again, there's only one righteousness, and that is God's. You remember in the, in the book of John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, I read, we have boldness in the day of judgment because... As he is, so are we in this world. In this world. Do you mean to tell me that if I put my trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, and I mean business in doing that, that I stand before God just as Jesus Christ himself stands? Yes, and I stand there now? Yes, you stand there now. This is not some future stand or future position. It's what you have now. Ephesians 1, 6 says, He hath accepted us in the Beloved. He was made sin for me who knew no sin. He who knew no sin was made sin for me who knew no righteousness. That I who knew no righteousness might be made the righteousness of God in him. This to me is one of the most astounding, most wonderful things in the gospel of Christ, that God can pick up hell-deserving sinners, unrighteous, corrupt, lawless, re rebels, and absolutely transform them and accept them in all the righteousness of Christ. My friend, let me say very solemnly, you cannot stand in the presence of God. I don't care how good you are unless you stand in the righteousness of Christ. You mean to tell me, sir, that my good works and my religious observances don't help at all? Not with respect to our relationship and standing before God. These other things have their place. Don't misunderstand me. Worship, even some of the ordinances for God's people. And we ought to, as Colossians 2 says, as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And as I said to a group of students this morning, it's not enough for me to revel in the fact that I am the son of one who is God. For God has determined that those who put their trust in his son are adopted into his family as his sons and heirs. But that calls also for me to walk this earth as one who is a child of one who is God. The more I see the position we have in Christ, the more we ought to walk glorifying to him. Now, sir, you're going to ask me a question. How do you know these things of which you've been saying are true? How do you know you have a, fi a, 
a divine forgiveness. How do you know that he has put away every one of your sins? How do you know he's forgiven every sin? How do you know you've been redeemed? How do you know Christ paid enough for your redemption? How do you know you stand before God in all the righteousness of Christ? I want some guarantee of that. Well, my friend, may I suggest to you three guarantees that God has given to us? In the book of Matthew, chapter 27, Matthew 27, when our Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross, I read, he cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then there was darkness over the earth. There was an earthquake. And I read that the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, signifying that God had accepted the work of this Jesus on the cross for sinners. There was no longer a barrier between God and man. Remember, the veil of the temple was a barrier. It shut God in shut man out. If you go back to the tabernacle in the wilderness, you remember there was where the veil was between the holiest of all and the holy place. No one was allowed within the veil except the high priest and not without blood. But when God rent the veil, how do you know God rent the veil? It is said that two yoke of oxen pulling in the opposite directions could not rent the veil. And remember, the rent was from the top to the bottom, and it was rent in a split second. When? When Jesus Christ perfectly satisfied the eternal God for you and for me, when he vindicated the righteousness of God. And the result was he made provision whereby sinners could come into the presence of God acceptable. My friend, when I come to Hebrews chapter 10, about verses 18 or 19, we read there, the veil, that is to say, his flesh. We have an open way into the presence of God. There's an open way into the holiest of all. Through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, he says, let us come with the assurance of faith. Assurance of faith. You mean to tell me, sir, you can come right into the very presence of God, in the presence of a holy and righteous God? You can come within the veil. That's true. That's true. How do you know? What about your sins? Christ put them away. How do you know he did? God raised him from the dead. God rent the veil, signifying there was no longer a barrier between. The second guarantee is the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Now, my friend, there's no need for me to take the time to prove this. In fact, you can't explain Christianity for the last 1,900 years apart from the resurrection of Christ. You can't explain the transformation of lives apart from the resurrection of Christ. Here's a man who is bound by sin, alcoholic possibly. I don't know what he's in, but he accepts the Savior and he's a transformed man. He's a person on drugs. They accept the Savior, and they're immediately freed from drugs. Life, spiritual life, eternal life. How do you know? 
Jesus made a promise in John 14, 19, when he said, Because I live, you shall live also. If Christ died and was buried and when that was the end of it, then we, I'll say we haven't anything. We just haven't anything. But when God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it was God telling you and telling me and telling everybody else, whoever hears the gospel, this is my son. And this work which he accomplished on the cross absolutely perfectly satisfies me. And I know as Romans 4.25 says, he was delivered up because of our offenses and he was raised again because of our justification. At the cross, we were justified. Let me just clarify this for a moment because the King James Version says he was delivered up for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And sometimes we sing that song, living he loved me, Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. We're not justified through the resurrection. Romans 5, 9 goes on to say we're justified through his blood. The work was done at the cross. The resurrection is the guarantee of it. I'm just as sure. I'm going to be positive when I say this. I am just as sure that I'll never again see my sins. I am that Christ was raised from the dead. I'm just as sure there's no longer a barrier between God and me as I am that Christ was raised from the dead. I'm just as sure that I'm going to stand in the presence of God in all the righteousness of Christ as I am that Christ was raised from the dead. Friend, we're not talking about some theory or even some doctrine. We're talking about realities. Do you think for one moment that God is going to send his son to die for sinners, for your sin and my sin, and not give us a guarantee that this Jesus is his son and that this work which he accomplished on the cross when he bare our sins in his own body on the tree without giving us a guarantee? Wonder of wonders. In fact, I would say very frankly, it's the only thing I'm sure of. Sure of standing in the presence of God in all the merit and beauty and righteousness of Christ, guaranteed by his resurrection, guaranteed by the rent veil. Let me give you one more. In Ephesians chapter 1, allow me to quote from verse 19 on where Paul is praying that we might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, far above all principalities and powers, and so forth and so on. He's the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Our Savior in Hebrews chapter 1, 8, 10, and 12, four times, I read he sat down at the right hand of God. When did he sit down? When he had by himself purged our sins. This man by one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. You remember in the Old Testament, the priests never sat down. If you were to go into the holy place or the holiest of all, there were no chairs, there were no seats. 
the work was never finished. Why? Imperfect priesthood could never perfect God's people. This is what you have over in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. If perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, there is no further need of another priest to arise who is after the order of Melchizedek. For the priesthood being changed, there must of necessity be a change of covenant. So we change from Aaron to Christ, and we change from law to grace. You can't mix them. Let's be very, very clear about this. You can't mix them. So the resurrection of Christ and the exaltation of Christ. Now, the question is going to be raised, how do you know he was exalted? Well, my friend, for 1,900 years, the Spirit of God has been indwelling his people. And again, I say you cannot answer the place that Christianity has taken. I'm talking about genuine Christianity. Wherever it is gone, people are not only transformed but indwelt by the Spirit of God. And the coming of the Spirit of God to indwell his people is the guarantee that this Jesus who died for his people is exalted to be a prince and a savior. For he said, if I go not away, the comforter will not come, whom I will send unto you from the Father. Or you have what Jesus said in John chapter 7, 37 to 39, when he said that last great day of the feast, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive. The Spirit was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. So the very fact that the Spirit of God is here indwelling his people is also a personal testimony from God to the believer that this Jesus whom he's trusting not only put away his sin but was raised from the dead and is at his own right hand, exalted. You see, God leaves nothing to chance. Nothing to chance. And I'm proclaiming to you, I'm not trying to defend it, I'm not trying to argue the point, I'm just telling you frankly, this is what God has done. This is what the Bible teaches. This is the gospel of the grace of God. That's why I can say to a man or a woman, I don't care what their condition is. If they will mean business and I accept Jesus Christ as their own personal savior, I'll guarantee my friend that not only will you have a divine pardon, the forgiveness of sins, your conscience cleansed from sin, not only redeemed out of all iniquity and redeemed from this present evil age and redeemed from the law and its curse, but you will stand before God in all the righteousness and all the beauty and all the glory of the Son of God. Oh, what, a, what good news is this. I tell you, friend, that precious verse in Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified, being declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God. That's why, having been a pastor for so many years, 37 years in this city of Portland, and I've been by the bedside of God's people when they've left the scene, and I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing. Do you hear these dear saints of God, 
just long to go home. You mean they're not afraid to come in the presence of God? Of what shall they be afraid? They're already accepted in Jesus Christ. They're already covered with all the merit and the beauty and the righteousness of Christ. They have already received the wonderful gift of eternal life. They're the children of God. And what child doesn't love to go home when they have loving parents? And what child of God doesn't want to go home when we become the object of his love and of his care? Oh, friend, oh, friend, do you have this kind of a Savior? Do you have this kind of a Savior? And let me not forget to tell you, God is righteous. God is holy. Yes, he's love. But his righteousness, his holy character demands the judgment of sin wherever he finds it. Hence, we must be in his Son. I repeat it again as the, as the prophet of old said, Thou wilt clothe me with the garments of righteousness. Wonder, isn't it? Wonderful. Now, I think I've said enough today. I just wanted you to get that, uh, that, that rest, that peace of heart as well as peace of conscience. I want you to revel in the Savior who has done so much for you. Who wouldn't fall in love with such a Savior, with such a God? When I think of all the perfection of it, all the perfection of it, God knows how frail, how weak, how corrupt, how feeling we are. Yet what righteousness could not do, his love did. His love provided a Savior. And in that work of salvation includes not only forgiveness and redemption, but the very righteousness of God. No wonder we can sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Why don't you sing it? Bless his name. Let's praise him today and worship him today and rejoice in him. And my friend, if you're not a Christian, why don't you accept him as your own personal Savior? Thanks.
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.